Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the two-time Stellar Award considered. Spin Award nominated. You're listening to The Voice. To The Voice. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Hey, what's going on, home team? This is your boy, Gino Worldwide. Pastor Gino, man of Free Wave Radio, Generation Now Church in Murfreesboro. Hey, you are now listening to the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Walk with me, family. Let's go. Take TPV Radio with you 24-7. Just download live 365 app from your Apple or Google Play Store. Like us on Facebook at TPV Radio or www.tpvradionetwork.com. Walk with us, family. Let's go. You're listening to the hottest, most off-controversial, off-the-meters Christian radio station in the land. In the land. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Are you ready to walk, family? Let's go! What's good, radio family? TPV Radio is just getting hotter, and we have an all-star lineup just for you. Mondays, conversations with Joe and Jay at 7.30 a.m., Tuesdays, Victory Over the Waste of Life with author Deanne Lebrine at 6 p.m. Wednesdays, Illuminating Word Ministries with Dr. Apostle Forrest L. Walker Sr. at 5 p.m. Thursdays, Real Talk with Pastor Byron Sago at 4.30 p.m. Also, Dorothy Patterson, the reality coach at 6 p.m. Fridays, the exclusive interview with your truly the Thomas voice by appointment only. Saturdays is Saturdays for Fed with Sister Lorraine Brown and Roberta Jones at 11 a.m. Followed by the locker room with Coach D at 4 p.m. Sundays, TPV Reloaded at 2 p.m. with the Familia. Catch all of TPV Radio programming on Facebook Live at TPV Radio. Also, Live 365, tune in, and all of our podcast social media platforms. Walk with us in relationship, purpose, and promise, and let's go! You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. to the Spin Award nominated. It's the Psalmist Voice. We're going right now on TPV Radio. 
Yeah, we have pipeline going on, people hacking that, people on the East Coast having trouble finding gas and stuff like that, but I believe everything is slowly getting back to normal, and we thank God for that. And of course, we don't get into politics and all that stuff. Y'all know how we do, but we do pray for our nation and its leaders, and also make sure you keep your families lifted up in prayer as well. So yes, family, we got a lot going on. We are live right now on Facebook. Tune in FB live at TPV Radio. You'll see me right now. Also, you can listen to us on our website, www.tpvradionetwork.com. We, all of our shows are recorded, so you can get it right from the website. You can download it for free. We're also on Spotify, iTunes. We're also on TuneIn, 24 hours a day, and Live 365. Just look up our long name. It's all good, and we will be everywhere you go, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, hold on a second, family. Uh-oh, we got somebody at the door, family. Let's see who it is. Let's see who's at the door, shall we? clouds in the sky, man, but there's no wind blowing, so it's like perfect right now. I'm out with my all-sports headgear with my wife, and now uh, I'm on the air with you, enjoying this beautiful day. It's going to get to 68 today. 68. Oh, Lord. That's hotter than normal. But it's yes, sir. about May, June. It starts to get hot, so it's all good. Yeah. So, we got a lot to cover. I had a lot of time to reflect on this 
particular hot topic right here. Now, let me give a disclaimer. This particular message is not a bash, not a church bash, but it is to edify the body. So if you get offended, I won't be mad at you. You can leave the broadcast right now, but this may not be for you, so you can switch the channel and watch something else. But we pledge allegiance. Uh-oh. We pledge allegiance, Minister Tyron, to the green. Uh-oh. Yeah. We, we, we talk about that a lot. We talk about living our best life now and all that jazz. But we're going to break that down to the break it down and see what God said about it. We're going to get a lot of people that's mad. But welcome to the most controversial radio station in the land. It's all good. So, family, let me get my shout-outs out the way. So, of course, I got to give a shout-out to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he is truly the head of my life. And I thank God for my first lady, Shanice Newton. Also, to my kiddos, CJ, Tajanique, Jalen, Tyreek. Ian and Tajane, Daddy loves you all to pieces. Mwah. And of course, I can't forget you, Radio Family. Thank you so much for riding with the Samus Voice in another year, another season. We are excited. And of course, if you don't know already, we did not make it on the Stellars again this year, but it's okay. We came very close. But we also have the Stellars, I'm not, I'm sorry, the Spin Awards coming up. So hopefully you will see some advertisements very, very soon. But we're excited about that. So, Mrs. Tyron, I'm ready to eat, but I know you got some shout outs. So, Mrs. Tyron, you have the floor. Well, first I'd like to give a shout out to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who without him this ministry would not be possible. To my beautiful wife, to my family, to you, my brother in Christ, and your beautiful wife and beautiful family, and my family on the radio, may God bless us. Man, I'm ready to get into this topic, so uh, let's have at it, brother. Let's have at it. Well, let's get it, like we do. Let's get it. Let's go. So, of course, before we start, we like to give some music. I wouldn't be the Samus Voice without music. So, we have an indie artist that's coming up, Dorian G. Brown with Sky's the Limit, and also my personal favorite, Titus Showers, We Need You, and also J.J. Harrison featuring Chris House. I am thankful. You are listening to the hottest, most off-the-meat rack Christian radio show in the land. It is the Samus Voice Reloaded. And when we come back, me and Minister Siron, we about to chop it up and talk about this thing called I Pledge Allegiance. Here comes the money. Here we go. Yep. To the green. So, press the seat. Sit back. Enjoy the show. 
be right back after this. Don't you dare move my song. It is, it, is, it is now time to get your spiritual fix and uplifting word with yours truly, the psalmist voice. Uh, this is the hottest Christian radio show on the planet. Are you ready, ready, ready to walk? walk? Let's go!
Thankful to you 
Voice Radio Network. And now, for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble!
of some technical difficulties. We have a storm going on, so we're probably going to be bumped off of Facebook Live, but you can jump right back in, and you'll be good. Got to give a special thanks to Darian G. Brown, DB, DGB, Sky's the Limit, Titus Showers, DBQ, and also J.J. Harrison, and Chris House, I am thankful. So, family, here we go. This is part two of this series, I Pledge Allegiance to the Green. Uh-oh. Here we go. How can we expect a world infected by sin to provide your best life now? How can we ignore scriptures like man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward? That's in Job chapter 5, verse 7. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And count it all joy when you fall into various trials. James chapter 1, verse 2. And people tell their best life is here and now. How can we count as meaningless the suffering of the early Christian martyrs who were hanged, burned at the stake, beheaded, boiled in oil for their faith. Sorry to be graphic, but that's how it was. And their faithfulness to Christ, gladly suffering for the Savior they adored. Did they die the excruciating death because no one ever told them they could have experienced their best life now if only they pursued wealth and health and self image and I'm about to blow a spot up but as the mega church pastor Joel Osteen claims the Lord never promised health wealth or success in this life we can't expect the promises he makes from for heaven to be fulfilled now now this particular quote was before he came out with this flip with living your blessed best blessed nice life now such as promise encouraging people decided for themselves what they will do with their best lives and then reject Jesus when they when he doesn't deliver. Yeah, that's what's happening right now. You're not getting your ATM from God, so you jump ship. And your best life now, the philosophy is nothing more than the old power of positive thinking and it's repackaged to scratch the itching ears for the current generation. If we know Christ, Jesus Christ as our Savior, our best lives await us in where? Heaven, where we will spend eternity in joy and bliss. 
enjoying a life that is better than the best we could have right now. So that was the TCC icebreaker for today's hot topic. I pledge allegiance to the green. Myself, Minister Siron, we're going to do it right now. So, Mr. Siron, that was a mouthful. And, of course, this particular sub- subject is going to be pretty controversial, and we're probably going to lose everybody listening, but it's okay. But it needs to be addressed. I know we preached about this probably last year, but I got a little more in depth with it because I've been getting more and more inboxes in people's faith wavering because their leader told them that if they sow a seed, that they will get the harvest back in return. Or if they live their best life now in heaven, God will honor it. Well, a lot of us are doing this, and we're getting ourselves more and more in depth, keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with the pastor or what have you. See, this is a big controversial topic, and again, I don't have a problem talking about it because, again, when you chase after the green, your whole conversation changes, your attitude changes, everything about you is focused on getting more green so you can obtain things here on the earth. Now, I could be wrong. Facebook, I'm putting it out there. Here's the question. Why is the love of money the root of all kinds of evil? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. uh, I got the answer to it. But let me give let me give a quick quick synopsis of what I'm talking about. Well, of course, we're gonna go back into first Timothy chapter six, verse ten, and of course the apostle Paul in his first letter to the young disciple Timothy had this to say. Now, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money want wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, now this verse is often misquoted as saying money is the root of all evil. Notice how money is substituted for love of money, and the root of all evil is substituted for a root of all kinds of evil. These changes, while subtle, have an enormous impact on the meaning of this verse. Uh-oh. We get a lot of misquotes, Ms. Siron. I don't get it. Now, the misquoted verse, money is the root of all evil, makes money and wealth the source or root of all evil in the world. This is clearly false. I'm going to explain why. The Bible makes it quite clear that sin is the root of all evil in the world. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and James chapter 1, verse 15. However, when we reflect upon 
the correction, the correct verse, we see that it is the love of money, not money itself. Now, see, this is where the argument is going to come about. That is a source of all kinds, trouble and evil. Now, wealth is, nat- is, is neutral. There is nothing wrong with money and, and, I mean, in and itself or the possession of money. However, when money begins to control us, that's when the trouble starts. Uh-oh. Well, let me stop right there. Mr. Siron, we heard this. We got the breakdown. So, why is the love of money the root of all evil? And why are we still trying to chase after living our best life now? Mr. Siron, you have the floor. All right, all right. Thank you, brother. So I'm sitting next to a brother of mine. And uh, he is native to this great nation that we live in. And there was a time where they didn't worry themselves about money. They didn't create money. They created a barter. You have meat. We have corn. Let me give you some corn. You give me some meat, and we can all eat. Well, somebody else decided that that wasn't a good way to get ahead and get over on everybody. So they started taking the meat and the corn from people and charging you their money to get the food that should be rightfully yours anyway. God didn't create money. Man created money. And so because man created money, everything loves their creation. Every God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It was his creation, and he loved his creation. And man is no different with his money. He created money. He created the system that money dominates. So he loves it and will do all things for that system that he created. We have drugs. Drugs are only bad because people charge you money for it. So you got to give up your grocery money to get the drugs, and the drug dealer's got to sell his soul to take your money. The gambling. There's nothing wrong with gambling. If you feel like um, you don't want your lights to stay turned on when you get that addiction, because winning and gambling makes you want to gamble more. Losing isn't a deterrent, knowing that you can win sometime. And what are you trying to win? You're not trying to win dinner. You're not trying to win housing. You're not trying to win transportation. You're trying to win money. And then the interesting thing is, people don't even want money. They want what money can get them. So you're trading your respectability for something you really don't want in the first place. I've never seen anybody tie money to their feet put it in their pocket, stuff all over, and then run down the street. No, they take that money and they buy a car so they can get down the street. And, you know, I heard you say the live your best best life now. No, see, here's the deal. If you live your best life now, that means you're going to hell when you die if you believe what I believe. Because um, Uh-oh. the kingdom of heaven is so much better than this life I exist in right now. And people aren't thinking things through I hear a lot of pastors ask for some money And will even quote Malachi Who would rob God And God say that that money you collect 
That's supposed to be for his storehouse to be full, for the poor, for the destitute, for those in need. The money getting collected, but they ain't got no storehouse. And just because you gave the UNICEF and saved the puppies, that don't mean you're doing what God told you to do. He said that his storehouse may be full. So the widows are taken care of, the orphans are taken care of, the homeless, the sick. That's why they all kinds of evil. Now, does that mean if a man of God's got money, he's going to be evil? No. Not if uh, God is his focus and he uses it the way God says. And that's where the um, fluctuation is. Man uses money for man's desires. God uses money not really for nothing. Because the blessings that we give people, we don't feed people money. We feed them food. And so, um, that's where we're at. I'm going to give it back to you, brother. All right, man. Well, with that said, let's consider the question before us. Minister Siron eloquently broke it down. We're going to get a little deeper with it, and we might hit some corns along the way, but it's all good. Why is the love of money a root of all kinds of evil? Well, to help us with this answer, we must look at the passage in its greater context. Near the end of the letter in 1 Timothy chapter 6, chapter, uh, verse 2 through 10, Paul is exhorting Timothy regarding the need to teach and urge these things to his congregation. These things, referring back to the earlier material in the apostles or the epistles, Paul then warned Timothy about false teachers who will seek to warp and pervert the context of sound doctrine of their own greedy gain. First chapter chapter 3 I'm sorry, verses 3 through 5 in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, notice what the apostle says at the end of verse 5. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, these false teachers do what they do for the fame and the notoriety they achieve, along with the financial rewards it brings. Now, Paul wants to steer Timothy away from that trap. In doing so, he tells him the real source of great gain, namely godliness with true contentment. That's in verse 6. Contentment in a biblical sense is the recognition that we come into the world with nothing and that Everything we have is a gift from God. Uh-oh. Verse 7 and 8. Yet those who desire to be rich, those who have the love of money, are ones who are led into temptation and fall into a snare. Verse 9, if you don't believe me. If you're just tuning in, we're breaking down 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 2 through 10. Now, 
Paul concludes the message by telling Timothy that the love of money leads to all sorts of sin and evil. Now, a simple reflection of this principle will confirm that it's true. Greed causes people to do all sorts of things they wouldn't normally do. Watch any number of TV courtroom dramas and the crime under consideration is usually motivated by what? Jealousy or greed or both. Now, the love of money is what motivates people to what? Lie, cheat, steal, gamble, embezzle, and even murder. People who have the love for money lack the godliness and contentment that is true gain in God's eye. Now, but the Bible makes it even stronger statement about the love of money. What we have discussed thus far simply describes the horizontal level of the love of money. Now, in other words, we have only mentioned how the love of money can lead one to commit greater sins against his fellow man. But the Bible makes quite clear that all sin is ultimately against God's holy character. Now, Psalms chapter 51, verse 5, we need to consider the vertical dimension to the love of money. Now, let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount, shall we? Now, Jesus said that no one can serve what? Two masters. Or neither he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Uh-oh. Yeah. You can't serve God and money. It can't happen. But, Psalmist, we got all these mega church people. We got all these folks that we know in our churches that's trying to live their best life now. So you mean to tell me I got to live in a shack and get some firewood so I can have electricity? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is there's too much emphasis on worldly gain instead of spiritual gain. We're too busy trying to get rich and trying to have a Bugatti and a mansion and and, and red bottom shoes and all this nonsense that has nothing to do with walking in purpose with God. Now, let's go back here before before I lose track. This verse comes at the end of a passage in which Jesus tells us to lay up treasures in heaven. Verse 19. Here, Jesus likens a love of money to what? The big I. Idolatry. He refers to money as a master. We serve at the expense of serving God. And we 
commanded by God to have no other little G's placed in our lives other than our creator God as an idol and makes us guilty of breaking the first commandment. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I said. I'm like, wait a minute. Jesus had much to say about wealth. Most, his most memorable conversation, for all you Bible scholars out there that's about to inbox me, about money, his, his encounter with the rich young ruler. See, we don't read this, but it's in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 30, if you get a minute. The young man asked Jesus what he must do to obtain eternal life. Jesus tells him to follow the first commandment and tell him to sell all his possessions and give it, yeah, and give it to the poor and follow him. Guess what? The young man couldn't do this. His wealth had become an idol, and it was his master. Yep. This happens in today's church or body of believers. Not all, but some. Now, after this encounter in Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 30, when he encountered the young, young, the young rich ruler, after this encounter, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'll wait. So, again, I tell you, it is easier. Y'all remember this one. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23 and 24. Now, this is a hard saying, especially in today's time. People living here in North America, right? Now, Jesus is saying that wealth is one of the biggest obstacles to coming to faith in Christ. I didn't say it. Yeah, I didn't say it. But look around. See Facebook Live. Look at the different things going on. We are so wealth conscious. How can we have faith in Jesus Christ when all we're worried about and concerned about is making sure we're living our best life now? Uh oh. I'll wait. So, the reason is obvious wealth becomes a slave master in our lives that drives us to do all sorts of things that drive us further and further away from God. Wow. 
the good news is that what is impossible for man entering to the kingdom of God is possible with who? The bishop? No. Ms. Siron? Uh, no. Even the psalmist? Uh, no. It's possible with God. Verify that comment with Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Now, we're going to break this down even further. Now, it's possible, again, see, Paul wrote these words. He was fully aware of how challenging they would be and that he left them just as he wrote them because he saw a sense in which the love of money is indeed the root of all evils. And he wanted Timothy and us to think deep enough to see it. But we don't because we're so busy being preached it and it's going, it's being crammed down our throat that that's all we see. We're looking at things and equating it on the blessings. And then we're saying we're living our blessed life now. And then when it comes to a hard time in our life and things start getting shaky, we ready to bow out. Why? Because we put our trust in the money and the ATM machine that God supposedly has for us where we can put our passcode in, withdraw our funds, and be on our merry way. But I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Uh-oh. Yeah, we done lost everybody with that one. But it's all good. Now, there, here, the context of 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 10, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, like we said earlier, and we can't take anything out of this world. So, why are we continuing to buy up everything have all the latest stuff, and at the end of the day, when we take our last breath, we did all that work to try to look apart, try to look blessed and highly favored, all this stuff, and when we take our last breath, we can't take none of it with us. Man, I'd rather be rich in spirit knowing that I can live my blessed life in heaven or in the kingdom of God than here. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not sitting here saying live in a shack. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying also to drive a Flintstones car. Not saying that either. What I am saying is when that's all you're talking about is blessing, 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 and money, money, money flowing, and, and double for your trouble, all these analogies that we use in today's church, all you thinking about is yourself and money. Oh, well, Thomas, it takes money to run ministry. You're absolutely right. But let me give you a tip. God will give you and supply the need according to his riches in glory. Not mine, not Minister Siron, his. I can tell you for a fact, without faith in Christ, period. 
KPV Radio would not be still on the air this day. Why? Because I'm not going to pimp to people. Uh-oh. Y'all lost like 10 people on that one. I'm not going to cash app, put it all over the place, telling people y'all need to give. I'm going to send you a prayer cloth. I'm going to send you some oil. I'm going to send you uh, an anointed uh, all sports headgear from Minister Cyron Williams. And then when you wear it, God's going to give you double for your trouble. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mrs. I had to. I had to use that as an analogy. But, you know, I'm just saying, we get so caught up in stuff, and we expect God to move, but, but God never promised us material wealth here on this earth. He promised he will supply our needs. He's going to look out for us people. But where do we get this concept? Of living my best life now. Uh oh. I'll wait. See, godliness is what we should be striving for. Why? Because it gives us great gain, it gives us wisdom, knowledge, understanding. The multiplication of the five loaves and two fishes is a great analogy of what God can do with little. I am a living witness. It took me a while to have total trust in God. But I'm telling you, family, it happens. God will open up doors. You can look in the natural and you can see it's virtually impossible. And God will make a way. I'm telling you. But if we have food and clothing, right, with these We are content with just having food and clothes. That's the simple way of living. I'm good if my lights are paid. I'm good if my mortgage is paid or my lights are paid. My car knows paid the basics. I'm good. But why would we put ourselves in a higher position of debt with buying all this expensive stuff, all these expensive cars, clothes, all this stuff, and we got people that are out here that are suffering, that we can't even give them the shirt off our back. We ride right past them. We don't even give them nothing. Just saying, oh, well, you can't trust everybody. Look, once you bless that person, and if that person does what they're going to do with the money that you gave them or the clothes that you gave them, that's on them. But you did what you're supposed to do as a man or woman of God. Bless the people that are less fortunate. That's what we're supposed to do. When God brings us an elevation, we're supposed to be bringing everybody up with us, but everybody don't have that same mindset. Uh Uh-oh. Now, it is through his love of money that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many thorns. Notice that the first part of verse 10, we're going to go back to this one. we got to break this down, Mr. Saran, because I don't think they're getting it. For the love of money is the root of all evils. Function as a ground or a cause both backwards for verse 9 and forward for the rest of verse 10. Let's break this down again. Now, verse 9 says that those who desire to be rich fall into 
many senseless and harmful desires. Notice that the desire to be rich does not produce just one desire, but many. When Paul says the desire to be rich has an effect because the love of money is the root of all evils, plural, S, the desire to be rich in verse 9 corresponds to the love of money in verse 10. And the many desires of verse 9 correspond to all evils, plural, in verse 10. Paul is tracing the cause of these many desires back in the love of money as the root of all evils, plural. Why does the desire to be rich not just result in one desire for money, but for many Desires. Minister Siron answered that question. But because the love of money is the root of vastly more than we usually think is it is. It is the root of all evils that men do. Paul is tracing a multiplicity of desires that flow from the desire to be rich down root to the root. That accounts for many because it accounts for all. So the love of money is the root of vastly more than we usually think it is. So here's a question. How does the love of money do that? Mr. Siron, I got to know. How does the love of money do that? Why does the love of money vastly takes over our mindset, our spirit man, rather than our mindset and spirit man to be on the things of God? How does the love of okay. money do that, Minister Siron? You have the floor. Well, you know, it's a, lot, it's a lot of folks with a lot of money who walk around calling themselves God today. Because uh, that money make them feel themselves Like they've got all the power They literally have power over life and death In their mind Because of the money that they have And for some of them, they absolutely do But here's the deal They keep forgetting That that money not going to keep them alive When that time comes To uh, enter into that great afterlife And God is standing in front of you And yo, please That you was living your best life but God, I had a wonderful yacht and a big house, and you know, I, I I prayed for the hungry people, but you know, I couldn't feed them because I had to eat. I don't know nobody who can eat thirty-eight point six billion dollars worth of food. What kind of one man needs that? But that one man controls so many things. He has the ability to send nations to war because of the money that he has. He has the ability to bring nations out of poverty or send nations into poverty because of that money. And so when you get that kind of power, why would you care about your spirit? Why would you care about God's Holy Spirit? And if you're blind enough, you might even think it was God's spirit that, that, that helped you acquire that money. See, Satan gives you money. God blesses you with health, wealth, and understanding. Can you earn money? Absolutely. But a millionaire Christian um, can only be a millionaire Christian if he's spending millions of dollars helping other people. 
and people don't agree with me that I, well, what, what you, you don't think I deserve that? Um, what we deserve is death through sin. What we received is grace. And just because you get money don't mean you deserve that much more. God has given you an opportunity to pull a man up out of poverty. Like, say, for instance, say you got $20,000 a year to go on vacation. Do you really need $20,000 to go on vacation? Why not take a $5,000 vacation with your family and bless a family that has never been on a vacation with the rest of that money? Send some other families on vacation. Oh, but is that too much like Christ? Is that is that too right? Is that that, that would make somebody else feel better than you and that's what it comes down to a poor man who receives a steak feels better about that steak than the man who's able to eat one every day so because their gratitude is more than yours for what they receive you withhold it that's not a good thing and so that's my thoughts on it brother that is oh lord this this is hot and heavy because yeah now, here's one way, because money is of no value to itself, the paper or the metal, right? It is desirable only because it is a cultural symbol which can be traded for many desires that we have. So, the saying is, God will supply all my needs, right? So this is co-signing on what I like to say, that people want to say God will supply my wants. But in all actuality, it's the desires that you have. So then we put a spin on it and say, God, see, that's not Bible. Sorry. But it can't be traded for God or godliness. So therefore, right, the love of money in Paul's mind corresponds to the root longing for the things money can buy minus God. Uh Uh-oh. That is why all these many desires, people plunge into ruin and destruction. Verse 9. I didn't Say it. In words, said it. God's desires do not destroy. The only desires for anything minus God destroys. That is what the love of money represents. How, therefore, this love is the root of all evils. F, that men commit. Because all evils come from that what? Root. The desire for anything minus God, no exceptions. This is the essence. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble with this one too, but it's okay. This is the essence of sin and the root of all sinning. Because more money, more problems, right? Falling short of the glory of God in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, or to put it another way, sin is exchanging God for the creation. Uh Uh-oh, I'll say that one more time. Sin is exchanging God for the creation. 
Now see Romans chapter 1, verse 23 through 25. So in other words, at the root, sin is preferring anything above God. Uh-oh. So all evils come from this preferring or this desiring. So if we prefer to be rich, we desire to be rich, it will be in our spirit, it will be in our mind, and God will be the third wheel. Uh-oh. Sorry to say it, but it's the truth. Read the word. Just saying. If something is desired for God's sake, that desire is not sin. If anything is desired not for God's sake, that desire is sin. I think I need to read that one more time, Minister Siron, because I, I don't think they got it. So, do it. If something is desired for God's sake, that desire is not sin. If anything is desired not for God's sake, that desire is sin. Therefore, all sin, all evils come from this desire, this love, represented in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, by love for the currency and satisfaction minus God. Oh, boy. We on lost everybody on that one, Mr. Cylon. We lost everybody. We still here, though. But we still here. We still here. <laughs> hey, the, hey the, truth don't, the truth don't need a lot of people to stand on its own. That's the lie that need a bunch of people to believe it, not the truth. That's true. That's true. Now, here's a question. If you love money... You can't serve God. And if you can't serve God, then everything you do is evil. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, most, some preachers will have a problem with that. Because if you love money and sin not, then I can still serve God. Well, wait a minute. That makes no sense. Because what we're dealing with in some churches, yeah, mm-hmm. what we're dealing with with some churches, we have the love for money. So, therefore, how can we have a genuine praise and worship, Minister Siron, if all we worrying about, if we made over $2,000 in our two services? Uh-oh. Got trouble with that one. Uh, or, or we worrying about making $5,000 for two services. Uh-oh. And then we got a family that comes faithfully, that serve faithfully. They can't give $1,000 seeds, but they serve faithfully. Now they're in need, and we can't help them. Yeah, I said it. It's the truth. We can't help them. 
because we're so caught up on the bottom line, Minister Siron. We want to collect the money, but we don't want to help the people that sold into the ministry that are dealing with some issues. We don't want to give them nothing. We want to hoard it. Uh-oh. Man. Oh, man. Lord. Do you mind if I jump in, in here, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. Man, man, I mean, you speaking some truth right now, brother. Hey, this language that you speaking is what uh, hey, I said it earlier. I, I said it earlier. When they love to quote, who would rob God? And they go to talking about Malachi when they ask you for your 10%. But then you go to that same people. They don't got no food. They don't got no clothing. They don't got no money set to the side to help the community. They're not doing none of that. But they're still collecting that money. And pastor live better than everybody. You don't have a right to. He is the servant. We are the served. We serve Christ. Christ serves us. The pastor is not meant to live better than his congregation. The pastor at the very, at the very most should live at the means of a middle class, of a middle family. Somebody's in the middle road in the church. No one who's wealthy, no one who's absolutely impoverished. You know, he deserves, he deserves nothing. But what God, none of us deserve anything. But sin and death, that's what we deserve. God's words say that. So anything extra that we get is a blessing. And that's one of the things that, that I absolutely love about you, brother, is that you're not out here rich side. You ain't out here big money falling, leaving people with nothing. And uh, well, you already know my MO. And so I'm with you. I'm with you. A man who desires a million dollars to serve God will make a difference in the lives of thousands of people. A man who desires money for money's sake so that he can show everybody else God's favor in his life. And if you do what I do, you can get money too. But that's not facts. And so that's all I had to say back to you, brother. Thank you for letting me rant there. No, you're good, man. So... This is another, like I said, this is going to be hard. And, you know, I had to do a self-check, too. Because, see, every time I prepare a a series, I get tested. So that's why I have a passion. Because I want to make sure I stay humble. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose the grace that God has given me. And I can't afford to do that no more. So you can call it what you want to call it. But I know what God has been doing in my life. So in order for me to continue to run in that vein, I have to understand that I can't be chasing after the dollar. I can't be upset and mad because other people doing this or other people are getting that. I got to keep doing what God told me to do. And eventually, when it's my time and my season, then God will open the door. Until then, we're going to continue to do the work that God has given so, I said all that to say this. So, through this love of money, some have wandered away from the faith. Uh-oh. This is going to be a tough one here. Now, the love of money works its destruction by luring 
the soul to forsake faith. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Did he just say that? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to read it again. The love of money works its destruction by luring the soul to forsake faith. Now, faith is the content, trust, Christ, that Paul referred to in verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Faith says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be in or to be content. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Faith has contentment in all circumstances because it has Christ, and Christ makes up every loss. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. Mr. Siron, that's not right because that's not what, what my bishop said. He says that money has contentment in all circumstances. We have to give our tenth or give double because it has Christ and the money makes up for every loss. That's not word, but that's what's being said. Now, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Wow, 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 wow. So, all true virtue grows from this root of resting in Christ. Your relationship with Christ is key. Not how many cliches you know. Not how many Bible verses you memorized. Your relationship is the true virtue resting in Christ, your relationship. Because without it, we perform our deeds not as an expression of Christ's all efficiency, but in order to make up for some deficiency we feel for lack of faith, but that is not true virtue. And it doesn't honor Christ. Only what is done from faith is truly virtuous. Thus Paul wrote, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Romans chapter 14, verse 23, which means all evil s to use the words of Timothy, first Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, rise from the soul that has been lured away from faith. And that, Paul also noted, is what the love of money does to us as believers. Through this love of money, some have wandered away from the faith. But without faith, it is impossible to what? Please the bishop? Uh Uh-oh. 
please, Minister Zyron? Uh, please, uh, please me? No. Please God. Now, through this love of money, a lot of us, even though we are back in church, I'm not knocking the church, so please don't inbox me. I'm making a point here. Through the love of money, through this whole situation of COVID-19, Minister Siron, it should have been a wake-up call for the people of God not to do church as usual and do something different that's going to feed the people spiritually, that's going to lead people to Jesus Christ in their relationship, not their pocketbook. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's a cricket moment. See, the problem is we are so caught up. We got so caught up in this whole faith, this whole uh, well health and wealth movement. We got so caught up in living our best life now that our faith in God has wavered. Why? Because when our money dries up, Minister Siron, see, a lot of us got used to eating that nice steak, that $40, $50, $60, $100 steak dinners. And now we're we're resourcing to the rubber steak. Now we got to go back to what we used to eat back in college or even back when we were young, Roman noodles. Just saying, but that's beneath me. That's not living under the grace and the faith of God. You're doubting the power of Jesus Christ. You're not living your best life now. You're not applying your faith. You're not sowing your seed and adding a stamp on it that God will multiply it. Where is your faith? Well, see, that's not doctrine. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God, not money. And see, that's why we got people so messed up right now, Minister Siron. They don't want to come back to the faith because they gave so much money to the church that they lost their faith because they were taught that their seed was their 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 faith, their heartstring of, of tapping into God's uh, wealth and kingdom and all this stuff. And then when God doesn't deliver, we ready to jump ship. Yeah, I said it. We always ready to jump ship because God didn't download or deposit that check in my account. But see, God never promised us that. We're not preaching the right word. Look, money is a great thing to have. I am not sitting here saying it's not. But we've made so much emphasis on the little G of money that we forgot who the big G is. Uh Uh-oh. Wow. I'll wait. See, you can't love God and money. You can't. So whether we focus on the way, and we've been breaking down 1 Timothy chapter 6 all so long, it relates to the forward in verse 10 and all that. It is not nonsense to speak of the love of money being root of all evil. Changing this translation to all kinds of evil is unnecessary. And when you think about it, 
all kinds is probably just as problematic as all evils. Wow. <laughs> See, the play of words, Mr. Saron, and you are the professor when it comes to words and how people like to misquote words to lace it and repackage it according to their own agenda and try to put a God stamp on it and saying that God said it. And then we got all these people that's led on emotions instead of relationships. They jump into this bandwagon and then they give in all this money. And guess what? Where's their love for God? Because what's being preached is being laced with you got to have that paycheck. You got to have that six-figure salary because God's going to bless you if you do. All this nonsense. And it has nothing to do with the faith and the relationship we have with God. None. No one can serve two masters. We said this earlier, but we do. We serve the love of money. We serve the man. We serve our job. We serve everything else but God. God's been getting our attention, Minister Siron, and we still have in church as usual. This whole time, churches were shut down. People going back to the clubs, dropping it like it's hot. They forgot their first love. They got so caught up in serving and giving that this thing was a relationship buildup. It was back to basis. Get your spirit, get your spirit, man. Back in the six-pack figure, we got lazy, Minister Siron. We got so caught up in the candy cane stuff. I'm not saying God won't bless you. I'm not saying God won't look out for you. But God ain't going to give you no Bugatti. I'm just saying, God's going to give you what you need. We're the ones who supply our wants. We do. So I don't understand it. I don't understand why some believers insist on telling me that I'm not living my blessed life because I'm not thinking on the higher things of God. Wait a minute. Your priorities aren't straight. You mean to tell me you're thinking about higher things, which is stuff, the love of money, the love of this and that. You're not loving the people. You're not loving what God has placed inside of you. You're not even preaching hard word no more. You preaching stuff that's going to get people emotionally stirred up, and then they give because they feel some kind of way. They're on their last leg. They're about to get their life cut off, and you telling them if they sow this seed right now, I promise you God's going to work in your favor. And God never promised us that. So why are we preaching that stuff? I'll wait, but it's a hard pill to swallow. Nobody wants to hear that. What'd you say, sir? Well, I said they preach that for justification of their sins. Uh-oh. Ooh, so you mean to tell me I'm a mega preacher, Minister Siron? So you telling me it's all about me? It ain't about God's people? It's about it's not about spreading the word of God to the nations. It's about spreading God's truth to the nation. 
His love can only be carried by his truth. Not man's truth, but God's truth. And that's the problem. These pastors are preaching their truth. And how much in the world do we hear say that, brother? When they say, hey, you've got to live your own truth. You've got to tell your own yeah. story. Well, when I was growing up, I was told, why are you telling a story? That meant you was lying. Two, yep. I found that my truth don't always line up with God's. As a matter of fact, before I loved him, my truth didn't line up with his. And if people say, well, how do you know, uh, you know, how do you get back to God being your first love? What, what if you had a wife before you married God? I say, well, you expected something from your wife. You want something from your wife. You give to her because you want from her. We love God because we love God for what he, yes, for what he did. He don't have to do no more. He's already done everything that needs to be done. He is worthy to be praised. He gave us life. He gave us food. He gave us this beautiful earth. He gave us an intelligent mind. He gave us a living soul. He created us in his image. How much more do we need from him? That's why he would be considered your first love because it doesn't count. I mean, you already recognize what he's done, so he don't have to do no more. That's what love is. They've done enough. You don't need to do no more. That's how it's the first love. We can't say that about our wives. If all of a sudden our wives stop doing anything for us right now, our love might be there, but it's going to change. Only a love for God, real love for God, will have you give away everything you have to please him without receiving anything but his glory that you're giving him. That's love, bro. Hello. Woo-hoo. Well, I'm going to drop one more bomb. So here we go. Let's get it out the way. Jesus uses the term love to describe the choice. Uh-oh. Here we go. We either love God or we love money. Uh-oh. He attaches the idea of serving to this idea of loving. You can't serve God and money. From this, I refer, infer that if you love money, you can't serve God. Uh-oh. So wait a minute, Mr. Styron. So you mean to tell me that the my love for money is my God. But I'm doing all this for the glory of God. That's what some of these people are talking about. They're they can't serve God if all you talk about is money. It comes from from the uh, from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So if your leader or someone that that is preaching to you and all they're talking about is finances and money and cattle on a thousand hills, Abraham seed, all this nonsense that has nothing to do. With serving God. You have a love for money, not God. You can say what you want to say all you want, but you are not serving God. You are serving the green. Why? 
you can't serve God, then everything you do is not of God. Because that is what evil is. Uh oh. Yeah. Heavy pill to swallow. And any act not done out of loving service to God, therefore, the love of money is the root of all evils. We've been saying this the whole show, not just some evils, but all evils. Perhaps you're not persuaded that I've been nice. About the meaning in First Timothy chapter six, verse ten, for the words, "The love of money is the root of all evils." If not, I hope you have at least seen that someone's given more insight than I surely might see such a meaning. Therefore, the translator should not preempt the effort by presuming to know such a meaning did not exist. So, if we bear his cross, giving up all and interest in the things of this world, including self-fulfillment, he knew we would be leaving this world in a very short time. Jesus Christ was death to self. I don't think they got that, Minister Siron. Jesus Christ was death to self. Taking up your cross is not something you accomplish in an emotional moment or a spiritual awakening or dedication. You Never arrive on a spiritual mountaintop when where you can sigh with relief. I am finally there. No more death to self. Nor are there any quick shortcuts or quick fixes to this painful process. So, here's the result <laughs> to always being about money and I'm about my father's business. I'm cash apping this, cash and apping that. Oh, I'm going to get inboxes all week, Minister Siron, but I'm ready for it. Final thought here, and I'm going to pass the mic to Minister Siron. Now, the need dying to self, the need for dying with the love of money, the need for living your best life now, the need for giving $1,000 seed, double for your trouble, Malachi 3, all this stuff that we are taught. Giving is a love offering. It's a choice. You are not cursed with the curse. That covenant wasn't for you. See, that's a whole nother show. But see, this is what's preached. God honors what you give from the heart. See, people don't understand this, Mr. Siron. God's not honoring you if you are crying to give that $1,000 seed in the offering and you know you got to pay your mortgage or your rent or your car note 
He's not honoring that. What he honors is giving from your heart. The need for dying to self needs to stop. We need to start being more transparent in this life. And instead of trying to live our best life now, we need to be living our best life in the relationship with God so then it can transfer out of us as people. People can see the love of Christ in us and stop this nonsense. Too many people are getting hurt and we got to stop this false reality of this preaching. I'm sorry to say it, but I had to tell it. Well, Mrs. Siron, I think there's somebody at the door. Somebody's at the door. Hold on. Let me see. Let's see who's at the door. What's good? Apostle Walker, thank you for calling in on the show. What's good? Amen. God bless you, Psalmist. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. God bless you. Well, you know, my brother, uh, it's good to hear from your brothers again. You know, there, there is an overemphasis on dollar bills, even though lights have to be put on, even though electricity has to be paid and uh, cleaning has to be done and getting materials, supplies, bathroom. And even though those things have to be done, you know, there's some lessons we could take from even the people that we don't associate with, like Jehovah Witness. They have a box in the back. People just give uh, give money. But I think what happens is we don't trust what God gives us, so therefore we have to put a demand on it, and therefore we end up getting ourselves into um, you know, get ourselves into uh, a lot of trouble because we're trying to de- demand people instead of letting people know what you need and let them appropriate themselves according to what was said. But uh, you know, the Bible says uh, that we got to charge them the rich in the world that they be not high-minded or that they would trust in uncertain riches. Riches are uncertain. You may have it today, be gone tomorrow. So we need to learn to work with modesty and, and, and do the best you can, honestly, on a consistent basis. But I, I agree with you, Psalmist, that uh, somewhere along the line, it's gotten out of control where, you know, uh, this dominance, you have to force people to do something, and it's not God. It's not God. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mr. Siron, you have the floor, man. Close the statement. Well, I absolutely agree with Bishop who just came on. Blessings to you, brother. You know? God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That That's it right there, right? The spirit of God inside of a man would lead those who know the lights need to be paid to pay them. People give naturally to God when it's their desire to serve the Lord. They'll naturally give because it's in them. People who are not of God, they will talk themselves out of being a blessing to somebody else. They, I mean, they may even find it a legitimate reason, but they don't. And it's just like, okay, well, wait a minute now. Um, how does this work out? How do you not understand that God gives us to bless other people? And if you're not willing to do that, then you find yourself 
and a, and a troubled and saddened state. Hold on one second, fellas. I just had someone stop over my home. Okay. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's my, fine. Oh, it's my pharmacist. It's my pharmacist bringing. I have. I had necks and back surgery, so she's bringing me my cream on a Sunday, and their pharmacy is closed. That's oh, wow. that, that's wonderful. But but here's the thing, uh, and I gotta finish this up here, right? God will give us money to give to others, but it's not our place to say, well, God, I didn't give it because of this reason. God, I didn't give it because of that reason. If you feel compelled in your spirit to give to a man standing on the side of the road, and he's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. They might just go buy drugs with it or whatever. Who are you to make that call? If, you, right. if, if God imprints in you to do that, you do that. You give it. But then you give it with God's blessings. Hey, here you go, brother, and, and, and speak what the money is for. Hey, man, here's some money for you to get some food with it. God told me to do it. Now, if he goes and spends that money on something other than the food, that ain't got nothing to do with you. That's between him and God then. God gives us uh-huh. to show what our hearts are. If God gives you a million dollars, he's not giving you a million dollars because you deserve it. He gave you a million dollars to see how much you love him and how you use it to glorify him. If God don't give you any money, it's so that you would not rely on the money that other people do, but that you'd rely on him to love you enough to give to you and to bless you. And that's what people need to start realizing is that being a blessing like Miss Sunny is being a blessing to me is is important. Let's say how many pharmacies you know deliver on a Sunday when they close? I don't know any until today. <laughs> and that's what God is. We deliver God like the pharmacist Sunday through Sunday. Not at the building. We are what make that building. It's just empty without God's people in it. And so God bless y'all. And thank you, Chris. Thank you, Miss Honey. Have a blessed day. No problem. Well, here's another key word. This is my final thought. The love of money also develops this word called greed. Uh Uh-oh. Now, greed is nothing but the endless desire to get more and more things in this life. Living my best life now. Living my life like it's golden. Just saying. Greed is what <laughs> greed is what messes with our actions, our thoughts. If we aren't cautious enough, greed will grab that large piece of pie or that bigger pack of chips greed will destroy your relationships friendships and the root cause of bigger things this is why we have war this is why we have corruption because this word greed is not only in the natural it's in some of our spiritual houses. Some, not all. We have to understand that if greed is starting to be the driving force of your ministry, you need to pump your brakes 
and do a tune-up because it's not about you. It's not about how much money you can bring into the, the congregation. It's not about any of that. It's about us bringing the kingdom of God and understanding and have relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and learning how to apply our lives in this world, we live by allowing the principle of God will supply my needs according to his riches in glory. Not my cash app. Uh-oh, oops, I'm sorry. Not my prayer cloth. Uh-oh, for just $9.99. I'm sorry. Uh, I got this water from the Jordan, and I prayed over it for 60 days. And if you sow right now, see, this is the stuff that we're doing. I'm making light of it, but this is a serious situation, and we can't draw closer to God if we're so hung up on green. It's not going to happen. It's not going to allow us to get closer to God and his presence, understanding what he truly wants in this season. We get so caught up in how much money we can make. That's what our whole ministry is going to be about. And then just like when this pandemic hit, a lot of people shut down. Why? Because it was all about the Benjamins. It wasn't about the souls. Uh-oh. Let me stop. Uh-oh. Someone's at the door. Let's see who's at the door. Welcome to the show. What's going on? What's going on, Pastor Chris? How you doing, my man? God bless you. It's such a blessing to be here today. Of course, you know I'm running a little late after uh, teaching the class, but, man, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying about this greed in the church, and, man, it's such a powerful topic today. Uh, definitely a blessing to anyone else who's listening. For the brothers on the line, just want to give a shout-out and say our God is good, and uh, I love you all. Stay encouraged. Stay in the faith. Amen. Yeah, I had I had to bring you in before we close. We're in our final thought, and I just gave a final thought in this regard to I pledge allegiance to the green, and a lot of us pledge our allegiance to the dollar instead of pledge our allegiance to our relationship with God, mm. not religion. Mm. Big difference. But I want to get some final thoughts from Apostle, and then we'll go ahead and get it from Pastor Nehemiah. Nehemiah, and please get his book. Go to Amazon. Spiritual, uh, it's a spiritual release. The Christian comeback. Got to get it. Amen. Get it on digital, hard copy. Soft copy, autograph copy. If you know him personally, ask him to autograph you, and he can send it to you. I'm just saying. So before we get out of here, Apostle Walker, final thought to bless the people of God. Then we'll go to Pastor Nehemiah, and then we're going to get out of here. You have the floor, Apostle. All right, so as well, listen, my brothers, we understand that not everybody operates in wisdom. And even though there's prevailing need, through every ministry for resources. It's just about how uh, we go about trying to get those resources. There is a respectful way 
there's a domineering way. Just as he says, Second uh, Corinthians, I think nine, six, and seven. Uh, you know, let every man as he purposes in the heart, so let him give as he purposed. Grace allows you to purpose. Law allows you to be dictated to. You must understand we're under grace. If you if you purpose something, then do what you purpose to do. But don't try to let people tell you what you can do. Don't let them manage your pocketbook. You have to manage your own wallet, your own finances, your own home. So I think we need to operate in a level of wisdom and giving is necessary, but let's not be dominated by it. God bless you so much. Amen. Pastor Nehemiah, final thoughts. Amen. So when the Bible speaks about masters, it says this, you know, you can't serve two masters. And the Bible clearly says that money is, is man. That can be considered a master. You never want to let money become something that's your guiding force, that's leading you, that you think money is your source. Because when you get to that place, you now allow it to become an idol, and your respect for God can be gone. So this pledge allegiance, what are you really pledging allegiance to? Where does your commitment lie? Is your commitment with this money something that can be here today and gone tomorrow? Or will it be with God? I live in San Diego, California, and there's so many homeless people down there. And we have went down there to speak to some of those homeless people. And some of their testimonies will amaze you. Some of these people were millionaires at one point in time. But there can be one thing, one event that can happen in your life. And that money that has no eyes, that money that has no voice, that money that can't truly comfort you in a very comforting way can be gone and will not listen to you, will not hear your concerns. That's something as believers we should never want to pledge ourselves to, something that doesn't love you back and can't love you back. Don't be that way. We want to be believers in God, and we want to be servants of him. He is our master. He's our teacher. He's our lover. He's our father. He's our protector. He gives us everything that we need. And like the apostle said, of course, when it comes to finances, you have to be wise. You have to be very, very wise with your money. There's nothing wrong with having money. We see people in the Bible who are very rich. But there's a lot of people in the Bible that were not rich. So we must keep that in mind. When Jesus came here, his purpose was not to go live in a mansion. It was not to have the nicest chariot. He even rode on a mule. He didn't have the finest clothes. So remember, who's our example? Christ. God bless you. Amen. Mr. Siron, final thoughts. Blessings to you, Pastor Nehemiah. Brother, brother, good to hear your voice. God um, bless you. God bless you, brother. You know, those who were rich in the Bible, they took care of other people. None of them were rich and just took care of themselves. They all had an obligation. Each of them had service, but each of their servants ate well, was paid well, and taken care of well. God dictated how you treated those people. But I got to tell you all, uh, this, this, is, this is totally off base. Right now, there's not a lot of money that can do anything that could, could cover what has not already been done. 
yesterday I was outside playing with my nephew, and we were just doing things, and I kind of was at a jog, and, and I slipped, and I slid back, and I was able to catch myself before it really hurt myself, it really got hurt. But I jarred my back with two herniated discs in my back, an artificial disc in my neck. A fall hurts a whole lot. Well, I've been grinning and bearing it all day because my pharmacy doesn't open until Monday, and he couldn't get me my prescription for my pain cream yesterday. But today was the day I needed because I fell yesterday. Monday would be a day too late. Today was the day I needed relief. And the Lord showed me his love by sending the pharmacist here on Sunday to bring me a cream I'm not supposed to get till Monday to help me relieve my hurt back today. That's the kind of God we serve. He didn't send me no money over here. He sent me some love over here. And the sooner people realize God's not interested in your dollar. He's interested in your devotion. He don't care about how much money you got in the bank. Your obedience to what he tells you to do and who he tells you to be is more important than any dollar amount you can have because when you are faithfully being obedient, he'll take care of you, and if he's taking care of you in finances, he expects you to take care of his people and his church. Back to you, Chris. That's right. Well, family, it's about that time. Time for us to chop out. But we definitely thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for tuning in on Facebook. You can also listen to this broadcast again on our website, www.tpvradio.com. You just press the link and play it. Or you can go to Spotify, iTunes, all, all those places, Google Podcasts. We're all over the place. We thank God for the different animal, I mean, different avenues where we can be listened to. So, family, (laughs) I love you. God bless you. And, of course, you are more than you think and greater than you heard. Thank you very much, Apostle Walker, my apostle. God bless you, sir. God bless you, Pastor Nehemiah. Thank you for dropping by. And, of course, thank you, Minister Siron. You could have been laid up and just resting, but you took the time out to be with your boy, and I appreciate all of you for taking the time out just to stop by. And again, family, we love you. Yes, sir. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. This is the Summer's Voice, a.k.a. Pastor Christopher Newton, and I'm done. God bless you. We'll see you next week. I just wanna be whole like Central Texas. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.